You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of the Felony Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Dick Hennessy, and as always, we're broadcasting live from the NetSpace in scenic Portland, Oregon. It's a rainy day today on the 11th floor of the majestic Union Bank Tower. Uh, in a society that houses the largest inmate population on Earth, anything that can be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable, and that's what we hope to accomplish here at Felony Inc. Today in the studio, we have a special additional host, Meg Thibodeau hey, from Dick. Skyline Tavern. Meg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's Love good to have. see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Thank you so much for hosting with me. And it's a pleasure. She'll be hosting all month, so look forward to hearing more of her in March. And maybe even beyond March. Um, <laughs> so today we have a return guest in the studio today. And this guy, uh, you might remember him. His name is Lawrence Carpenter, uh, the founder and owner of SuperClean. Uh, it's a janitorial services type business. Uh, Lawrence, are you with us right now? I'm here, sir. I'm here. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm doing awesome. Hey, Lawrence. Hey, how are you doing? All right. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lawrence, I had a chance to listen to some of your uh, previous um, interview on here. So um, I just kind of wanted to, you know, this is me and Meg's first time interviewing you. So uh, if we could, let's do a little recap, um, possibly okay. about uh, your childhood and upbringing and what kind of led you into the life of uh, criminal activity. Okay, uh of course, I'm Lawrence Carpenter. Uh, I was born poor in the um, city of Durham, North Carolina. Um, at the age of 17, well, at the age of 11, I started selling drugs. At the age of 17, found myself incarcerated. Um, returned home after six years of incarceration. Sold more drugs, thought I was going to do it better than I did ever before. <laughs> found myself incarcerated again for 11 months, and then at that time, I realized that I was an entrepreneur, but I was just in the wrong game. So um, you know, I made an intelligent decision at that time to uh, start a, a business. Now, you know, according to my notes, it says you were uh, you were seventeen. You were arrested for selling uh, cocaine, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, and that's uh, and you grew up your whole life in North Carolina, and then um, you said you got eleven months when you were seventeen. Well, when I was seventeen, I got fifty. I, um, I served time for fifty years, but uh-huh. then I. I got out, sold more drugs, and then I got incarcerated again um, for 11 months at that time. Okay, I got that mixed up. Yeah. I started selling drugs at at age 11. Did they put you in juvie, uh, Lawrence, or did you go straight to prison at 17? No, unfortunately, I went straight to prison. Oh, man. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, in the state of North Carolina. Okay, so originally when I was incarcerated, I was incarcerated in... You know, Philadelphia. So while I was incarcerated in Philadelphia, of course, Philadelphia is a Commonwealth state. They, uh, they, I don't know if they created a charge, but they held me as fugitive out of jurisdiction because uh, I had charges in North Carolina as well as Jacksonville, Florida that came in uh, and questioned me as well. Um, 
doing the extradition hearing. I had to, I waived the extradition hearing. I had been locked up in Philadelphia at that time, maybe three or four months. And I was kind of tired of being up there. And I just um, waived the extradition. So when I waived the extradition hearing, they automatic, automatically had to certify me as an adult in order to extradite me. So from that day forward, I was, I was, everything was going to be based off adult times. So when I came here, state of North Carolina at the age of, I think, 16, they can charge you as, a, as an adult for any crime. That's amazing. So I was well beyond, yeah. One of the things that struck me in your interview that you did here before was you talked about how important your family was to you, your wife and kids in your ability to stay on the track, on this, on your entrepreneurial track. How old are your kids now? Um, now my youngest daughter is 14, my middle daughter is 16, my oldest daughter is 23. So they're about the age, right? How does that feel? Yeah. 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 They, 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 they all, they all grown and they, they think they run me in and they think that they had me and I just live for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so they, they're that age. Most definitely. <laughs> they're lucky to you know, have, they drive, they're they, lucky to have you setting a good example, right? I, I'm, how do I'm they so feel? grateful for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so grateful for them. I, I tell people all the time that they're the reason I changed my life. You know, um, at, at, at the time when I when I was my oldest daughter is not my biological, but that's my child. So <clears throat> she don't. I'm the only father she know. I've been raising her since she was one. And when I met her moms uh, at that time, I realized that I was taking. I was taking. And at that time, me and her moms was married. So I had taken on the responsibility of being her father. And I was like, you want to know what? There's no other option now but to, but to do business <laughs> because I can't risk going back to prison. Um, and I've accepted this responsibility, and they and I, I tell them all the time. I, I, I thank them all the time for saving my life, because without them, I, I'm quite sure one day I would have matured to the point where I was sick and tired of going in and out of prison. I just think it was a situation where they kind of forced me to do it early, earlier. And that making sense. Do you feel like that understanding, like when as a father, how you can do something for someone else that maybe you couldn't do for yourself, spills over into your into your business and the way that you're able to serve your customers, your employees, and maybe whatever service work you do. In Most the- definitely. I think that, yeah, I think that and along with, I was just talking to a friend earlier today and, and for the people put in the thing, I had just hired a person two days ago and I was just talking, and I hired a person based off of this other person recommending that I hired them. And, and Part of our conversation, I was telling the person, I said, I don't think this person going to work. I think probably next week I'm probably going to have to release this person because they drive, their drive is not there. And part of our conversation, we were saying that it's like that with a lot of people that have a lot of options. Like for me, I have no one I can turn to. Like if, if I can't pay my mortgage, no one in my family can pay my mortgage for me. If I can't take care of pay payroll, I know no one I can call. And I think with that alone, it kind of be, my, my drive is like ridiculous. Like I do things now, like as if it's my first year of business. So um, yeah, so I think just being out here, kind of like on an island by yourself, having to make things happen, and kind of it kind of mature you to the point where you're like, hey, it's, it's some things I can do and it's some things I can't do. Yeah. So Lawrence, you know, you get arrested multiple times for selling drugs. Uh, me and yes, me and Meg both have um, backgrounds of doing the exact same thing, uh, getting arrested okay. for selling drugs. Did you, um, when you decided to switch and uh, kind of move into the uh, 
the janitorial services, uh, cleaning buildings, stuff like that. Did you have someone to look up to? Do you have someone mentoring you, or how did you come about that? Um, I didn't have a mentor. I would, I would, I made a decision to do that based off of, it was, a, I just didn't want to have to go back to school and take a lot of school. I, I was trying to find a business like a startup that was, that was very little money I had to put into it, but the sky was the limit on how much I could make. And janitorial services was, was just came to my mind. You know, it was pretty simple. I felt like everyone needed janitorial services. Um, I would, it was a lot of people I reached out to. Beginning, I knew that other people who experienced having uh, janitorial companies, but it just seemed like people wasn't w- willing to share information. It's sad, but you know, uh, it's just one of those things where I just had to fall and get up, fall and get up, fall and get up until I learned on my own. I mean, a lot of times that's the best way to learn. And um, yeah, most definitely, most yeah, definitely. I'm grateful for every experience. That, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my main question too. Is um, you know, right. if you're doing something like janitorial services. A lot of these office buildings and companies, they already have a set person that they go with, um, someone that they've been working with. It seems like it'd be kind of a tough one to kind of break into. What kind of uh, strategies did you use? Like, did you, How did you kind of get over that hump in terms of selling yourself and getting locking in accounts? Um, originally, I, I just think that with business, I always be a relationship first. Um, I'm a firm believer in if you build a relationship with, with people, you can make money all over town. And that's what I do. When I approach these contracts, I, I go in most definitely. I talk about the services we can provide. Um, I also talk about, you know, the history of our company, things we've done, talk about some of the clientele we had in the past. But right as I get past that point, I start trying to build a relationship with the contact person. You know, I had several contracts in the past where I probably talked to these people like two or three years had built friendships before I even went in on the contract. So for me, I just think building relationships is the most important thing in the business to me. Yeah, so just getting yourself out there, shaking hands, yeah. making friends, yeah, shaking hands, out yeah, the man. business card. Right. Hey, right, Lawrence, right. how did you overcome the the felony story? You know, you've spent time in prison, right. you hadn't had a business before. Uh, I think that's always a big question for folks is how they go from having this story of being an outsider to having a story yeah. of being an insider. I'm curious how you, how you did that for yourself. And that's a, that's a good question. I get that. I get asked that a lot as well. Um, and like I explained to people, I had one situation where I couldn't get a contract based off my criminal record. And that was at um, the international airport we have at RDU. And, uh, and the only reason why I didn't get that job was based off of federal guidelines where they had to run everyone background, even the owner. But how I explain people how I think I avoid that, and I want to believe this wholeheartedly, is that I, pre- I, pre- I present professionalism. So whenever I'm out uh, pursuing contracts, I'm always pre- I'm always in uniform. I'm always clean cut. Um, I-, I got knowledge of the business, so I'm, pre- I'm presenting all the things that any other company would present. And then in return, I think that kind of avoid them even wondering. I, I just don't think, I think if you provide a good service and you provide and you present yourself properly, no one should question who you are. Did in you some, have in that? In some instances. Yeah, keep going. No, I was going to say in some instances. I know in some, in some situations where you have to get more personable, but I'm just speaking in reference with my business. Most of the times you clean cut, you have knowledge of your business, you present a good service, you know, you're playing the part, you're looking the part. It never really gives people a reason to question who you are. 
Did you always have that confidence? I mean, was there a time for you where it was it was um, someplace you had to get to? Did you ever have to go over a hump of feeling like you yeah. needed to prove yourself? Or were yes, you just born I mean, with that confidence? No, no, no. I most definitely wasn't born with it. Um, it was built, you know. Um, I think with me, the more, the more, the more that I, the more opportunity I had, and the more, and the longer I was in the business and with my experience, it, it built the confidence. Because I, I can remember at the beginning when I would I would market. Now, I had been out in the streets forever. You know, I've been out in the streets since I was 11 years old. So my whole conversation was all slang. Like, what up, homeboy, playboy, all this crazy stuff. That's the only thing I knew how to talk, right? So when it came down to starting the business, I had a script that I had wrote where I would say, hey, this is Lawrence Collins, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. And I would read the script out, right? And <clears throat> I would call people, and they would say, no, we got a clean service. I ain't got, no, we good. We got a clean service. And I remember I called one person one time, and they, they started asking me questions past the script. So I went through my little spiel, and I was like, hey, well, how much you do this for a pair of square feet? And I was like, oh, and I froze. I mean, I was so scared, and I hung up the phone. And I can remember calling a friend at that time, and I was literally crying. And I was saying, I can't do this. And what I had to realize at that time, I had, I had practiced being foolish for so long, being ignorant by being in the street for so long, that that's what I got comfortable with. So I, had to re I realized at that time I had to start practicing being intelligent again. So I stopped being around business people. I started, you know, broadening my vocabulary. And then, you know, with all those things like that, you know, you, you just stop building yourself up. So um, I tell people a lot, even when you're trying to be a business owner, you have to, you know, you have to, you have to first work on yourself before you're able to do anything else. That's the, I think that's the first thing we have to do, especially coming straight out of the streets and being around all this crazy stuff all these years. It's really, you know, I really believe you practice what you become. That is excellent. I mean, you become what you practice. Right, right. For real. Yeah, straight. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy. A lot of people are are not willing to change. I mean, I, I was in a prison one time, a youth prison, and it was like maybe 40 or 50 guys in there. And I asked, I said, look, if I would give you guys a job, making $80,000 a year, but my only request would be that you cut your hair, I think out of like 80, 80 guys, maybe 20 or 30 raised their hand and said it would. And I went around and I asked, why wouldn't you cut your hair? Why wouldn't you cut your hair? And they would tell me all this crazy, I was the crown of the earth and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, well, why? Why you can't cut your hair, get the job, a year later, grow your hair back? And by then, I know who you are. You value it to my company. And it's just, it's like, that, it's that mentality that people feel like they're selling out because they're doing these things. And I'm like, well, if you don't, I mean, if, if you don't do these things, you're selling your family out. So you got to choose who you're going to sell out. Is you going to sell out what people think? Or are you going to sell out your family <laughs> by not doing what you need to do, you know? So so are you going back into youth prisons and giving talks? Yeah, yeah. I go out to the prisons all the time. Uh, I go out to the prison jail. I was just in a jail last I was in Charlotte Mecklenburg jail last week. Do you go, out, go with out with a particular one. organization or is that something you've organized mm -hmm. on your own? No, I go out with MAs Entrepreneurship. I'm the chairman on the board with MAs Entrepreneurship, and what we do is we go out and we teach the. Um, I, I, hate, I don't call. I hate calling them MAs. I, I teach the guys um, business, um, teach them uh, life skills, things like that to prepare them for coming out and starting their own business. We teach a class. We have like a we have an eight week class that we teach out here um, for people that's out. But when we go into the jails, we we kind of shrink it. We may shrink it to like. 
we, we make it a whole eight weeks and I can work for two or three hours. And it's business one-on-one. It's going to give you everything pertaining to business, starting from how to start a business to, to when it's time to start hiring people to when it's time to get an accountant to marketing. We, we cover everything. So when you were in prison, your last stretch, or even the very beginning of being in jail, was there any kind of outlet like that? Was there anything? Do you remember anyone coming in there and trying to be a, like a positive motivational force for you? Not one single person. <laughs> Not one single person. I, I remember it was one group, Yoke Fellas. I think it was a faith-based organization, but I think the guys were just going down there so they can get snatched, to be honest. They would go down to the, just to get snatched. It wasn't even anything serious. So, you know, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. So what motivated – was there something specific that motivated you into deciding, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take the reins of this and and really try to change people's lives for the better? Most definitely. I mean, are, are you speaking when I when I was uh, released? Yeah, so, so you so you get released, come up, okay. you know, you, you, you build your business, become successful. Then at some point okay. you're given an opportunity to go back and, and motivate people and, and kind of mentor people and look out for people. Um, right, you know, was there? You know, what was what was the breaking point in that? Where where were you at? Where you were like, you know what, I could do this. I, I just feel like it's, I feel like it's my passion, and I and I look at it. I look at it like this. A lot of people, I tell people this: it's, it's several it's, it's several degrees of this. The first degree of it is everybody incarcerated are not bad people. We made bad choices, but we're just not bad people, right? Yeah. Secondly, right. Secondly. Everybody incarcerated don't want to be incarcerated. You know, a lot of times people just don't know where to turn. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where if you, if you have no knowledge of where to start, I mean, where to start. I'm not, I'm not talking about getting something done, just where to start. A lot of these guys don't even know where to start. They may have a business thought, they may have a business idea, and then you have all these people around you, and then think about it, and then you're sitting in prison, and you're around two or 300 other people, all of them got the same mentality as you. Where you gonna grow from? You don't have anywhere to grow from because at the end of the day, you got people around. Even if you got a great idea, you got people around, and that's even out here in free society. You got people around that you come up with a great idea, and they t- and then they start telling you how you can't get it done. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you come up with it. You know, society, honestly, society, really, the regular society teaches people to be employees anyway. That's why they tell you to go to college, get a good education, get a good education for what? So you can get a good job for what? So you can make somebody else rich and, and live the, the white picket fish life. That's what society teach, <laughs> you know. And I think the and I think the beauty of I think the beauty of being a formerly incarcerated person is you don't have a lot of options, right? So it forces you to turn around and say, "I got to make this happen." Because for myself, I was thinking, I already know what I'm facing. I got I got else. I got felonies. So that means it's going to be hard to find a job, right? And I feel like I shouldn't have to live in poverty for the rest of my life just because I made a mistake and got caught. Because everybody made mistakes, just everybody just didn't get caught, right? So am I going to settle for what they give me, which is a job at McDonald's or a job in me garbage? Or am I going to create my own avenue and build something for myself? And I chose the latter. Um, and, you know, I, I I I just think the drive of just wanting better, I always wanted better in life, and I just think that drive alone just always just pushed me. 
Do you have a sense of where that comes from? In my experience working with ex-felons and, of course, myself, there's some kind of special something-something that happens for some folks that do exactly what you're talking about. They just do not give up and they go. I mean, it feels to me like folks that get into certain criminal activities have a similar drive. Their backs up against the wall and they use the tools that are available to them and end up selling drugs or doing whatever hustle on the streets. And then after prison, you know, if they don't give up, don't give up and crime no longer becomes an option. There is a certain segment of this population that is so incredibly entrepreneurial, like as as, uh, it's in their spirit. Right. Do you have a sense of of what makes one person like yourself, you know, uh, me and Dick have got it. You know, we've got this. It's always been in me um, to go farther, to keep trying something else. And uh, then you've got a a lot of other people that will get out and feel oppressed by a system that tells them they can just work at McDonald's. And, you know, as we're doing here and you're doing out there trying to inspire people to rise above that to realize, first of all, you know, like you say, know where to start. Like, I think that starting point is to understand that you even have an option. Do you have a sense of what, what was, what was that piece for you? I think, I think the piece for me was, it was a two, it was two, it was two things. The first thing was most definitely the situation I was in and and, and situations make us do different things. You know, situations don't make us either react badly or Positively or even negatively, right? And I had a situation. I just got married before I was incarcerated. I always been a provider for myself. Period. Since since eleven years old, that's why I started selling drugs because I love the feeling of having my own money when I had to beg anybody for anything, right? So always, I always been a provider for myself first. Now I'm going a whole other family. Like I got a wife and a kid now. Now I got to be a provider not for my not only myself but for them as well. So that was the number one thing. And the second thing for me was, it's only two options in life when, when you face something. Either you're going to roll over and die, or you're going to get up and fight. Period. It's just, it's just two options. Either people are going to fight it out, or die in it. And I just wasn't... I, I, just, I, I don't want to sound all... I don't want to sound all, like, super great. You know? But it just... It was really... It was, it was almost simple to me. It was like, if you don't get out here and bust your tail and make it happen, who's going to make it happen for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and that, that, alone, that alone made me be like, you want to know what? I got to go out here and get it. Because one of the things for me, when I sold drugs, I was real successful at it. I want one of the people who stopped selling drugs because they had got, they had got caught and they, had, and they told on everybody, so now they can't go back to the town they're from. Or, or it was a, situ- or a situation where... The police had called me and took all my money. Now I'm broke. I don't have no choice. But it, it wasn't one of those situations. I had a situation where I made plenty of money. When I sold dope, when I came home, I had I still had money. You know, so along with having money, it kind of makes you appreciate better things in life as well. Because through me selling drugs, I was able to travel. I was able to have cars. I was, you know, I, I had a taste of how good life could be. Right. Just the difference was when I came home. And I was legit now. I just need to figure out how to make this happen legitly, which is through business. So I, that, all that combined kind of like was kind of like my drive. Because one of, one of the things I always say 
as well as I'm, I'm, I was grateful that I did have money when I sold drugs because a lot of the crazy things that a lot of people do when they start when they when they first start out in business like they go out and they spend all their money on food and stuff I I, I didn't do that at that time because I was already kind of used to having money before so a lot of the stuff that was exciting the new business owners really wasn't that exciting to me. What was important to me was trying to build up capital and make myself strong so then that way I can be continue building a good business. So, you know, just a combination of a lot of the things in the past just, just kind of combined, it kind of always drove me. It always drove me. And like I said, I always go ahead to my kids. Just when I, with those guys, oh my God, the game just changed for me. Like, it just changed. Because I, I grew up fatherless, right? My father was never around. And I always, I always said I would never bring a kid out here for someone else to raise. And even through my times of selling drugs, all my friends were having babies, all these women, and, and I was, they used to call me the condom man. Because I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always had condoms. People come to my house just to get condoms, right? And because I was so adamant on not having a lot of babies running around here just because I'm in a moment, you know. And... And, and at the same time, I knew I was out here doing bad things. There's a possibility the feds were going to pick me up the next day. I might be locked up the next day. And I wouldn't be able to raise my, my kids, you know. Um, so with them, when, when it came, and, it, and not with my biology, with my oldest daughter, just taking that responsibility and having me like, well, you know what? I can't do anything. This business, got I got to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely powerful motivation right there, Lawrence. Uh, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break, and then uh, I'm going to get back okay. to my next question that has a lot to do with that as well. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back to Felony Inc. So one one question that I'm always kind of just curious about. Obviously, I feel like if I hadn't gotten in trouble, if I hadn't been through hell and back, I would have never had that kind of burning desire, that motivation to take my life and my uh, professional you know, existence to the next level. Um, but one thing I'm always curious about with people in our position is, do you find any correlation between the drug business and what you're doing right now professionally? Like, they, I know it's kind of cliche. They always say, "Oh, well, if you could, if you could, you know, run a block, if you could sell drugs, you know, and, and professionally, you could run a business." Uh, do you find is that accurate? Yeah, it is to a degree. Um, I see back. I think about the day I had a situation today where I had uh, one of my team leaders. Well, um, I had stopped by one of the facilities, um, and it just didn't look the way I wanted to look. Right, and I know this guy right here. He he just got a promotion at his other job, 
So ever since he got the promotion of his other job, he's been having a little shitty. And I've been <laughs> I've been pretty much interviewing for his position these last weeks so I can go ahead on and release him from the duties and replace him. Yeah. And it was a situation today where I wanted to be like, you wanna know what, man? Leave everything in the office and we'll see you in the next lifetime. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, it it was just, but I had to think I had to use wisdom and I said, you know, I still need this guy for at least another week until we get his position filled. So I kinda had to just play the game. Like, oh yeah, I understand, and so forth and so on. And it's pretty much like out in the streets. You 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 front of somebody some cocaine, you need them to pay you your money. You don't want to have to shoot nobody over the cocaine. You just want your money. <laughs> you know? And so you gotta do a lot of convincing people, you know, hey, I need my money back so you can continue to make money and I can continue to make money. So I think that aspect of it, I think also, you know, the dealing with the money of it, most definitely. Um, just the drive of it. I, I totally, I totally see a coalition with it. Most definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you burn that bridge, there's no money. I mean, as good as it would feel to right. burn it. Got to keep a cool right. head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the gaps I've seen though with people, you know, one of the things I have noticed is people, a lot of people who previously sold drugs, they're not as successful in, 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 in like in, in the business world. But a lot of that comes with the, the changing of yourself though. Like they still got the business instincts from being, from hustling, but the, the stuff they need to deal with, with themselves, then they, they, they're not doing like, like building your vocabulary up or changing the way you look, you know, you still want to go out here with your hair all over your head and, and thinking, you know, you already know people are afraid of you when you come in like that. Why are you going in like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, you know, that's the big gap that I see between people who, who really could, who was very successful in the street and don't really have that much success in business. But a lot of us do. Yeah, a lot of us do, though. I feel you, man. You know, uh, and this is, one thing is, Meg goes to prisons and, you know, it's very motivational, talks to inmates and tries to help them out. And, it, you know, as do you, as I'm I'm in the process of currently trying to do myself. Um, if you could, is, is there like a little, could you give us like a sample, some kind of uh, maybe like a, a little bit of a kind of inspiration, what something, an example of what you tell people, you know, one of the main things when you go in there, just to inspire one of the main them. Try, yeah. One of the main things I try to get the guys to understand is don't beat yourself up. You know, um, everybody else going to beat you up. That's expected. The world, the world counting you out right now. Everyone think this is this your last, this is your last rock. Everyone think you're going to be the same person for the rest of your life. So you don't have room to continue to beat yourself up. You got to motivate yourself. You got to build yourself. And a lot of these guys feel like just because they made mistakes, that this is the only thing they can settle for. I, I did as well. You know, I did as well. When I came home from doing my, when I came home from doing my first uh, prison stint, I didn't even think about doing anything else to selling drugs. I thought that was my, that was it. That's all I could do. You know, um, so... I try, you know, I try to inspire the guys to build yourself up, build yourself up by, you know, reading books, you know, whatever business you want to get into, try to get your family to see that. Instead of getting in the senior sports illustrator, get in the senior some business stuff, you know, and just and just kind of build yourself up because the real the real challenge comes when you get out and get from behind those walls. That's when the real challenge comes. And it's going to smack you from a hundred different ways, you know, and, and you just got to be prepared, you know. And like I was just telling the guys last week, I was in the jail last week and I was talking to the guys. I was like, if you sitting in here with all this time that you have, like, honestly, people incarcerated 
could probably come up with way greater ideas than us out here in this world. And the reason why I say that is all they got is time. A person like you and I, I got business. I got kids. I got to be getting my, I got to go to my daughter's basketball game. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, I'm so, I'm ripping and running. I really don't have a lot of time to myself to even really even think, you know, and you're sitting in, you're incarcerated and you got all this free time. And I tell the guys all the time, if you wasting it, if you sitting in here and you're joking and playing around with the guy next to you that you probably will never see again because you guys in prison and he probably from the other side of the state and you from the other side of the state, you're wasting time. Oh, and that's one of the things I try to get them to understand. Appreciate your time. Look, you got it. Appreciate it. Build yourself up. Prepare yourself. So then that way when you come out, you you're stronger. So when you so when the so when the things start hitting you in your face. You can bob and weave a little bit, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's one of the things I try to describe to guys. Don't beat yourself up and deal yourself up at the same time. So in your in your business, do you run into any of these folks uh, once they're done with their sentence? How how many ex felons are you hiring at at Superclean? And I'm curious. Are you? I'm also curious. Second part of this question is um, how you how you present mentor and protect them from the ways that, you know, uh, your clients might be concerned. Right. So I try to put them, I try to put them in the best predicament possible. Um, prime example, if I'm hiring you in a school, I may not hire you during the day as a full-time day porter while you're going to be around the rest of the staff. But then at that time, it's going to get, it's become too intimate at that time. So they're going to start wanting to know you more. You're going to start feeling more relaxed. And you can start running your mouth a little bit too much. And then they're going to start finding out too much. Right? So if you're in the school nine times 10, I'll put you on the evening shift where the school is emptied out. The risk is low. Um, I do a lot of post-construction clean. I hire a lot of those guys out there on the post-construction clean because it's just pretty much you're on a construction site and you're just cleaning it up, you know. So um, I just try to put them in the best predicaments possible. And one thing I always tell them, I'm, 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 I'm less lenient on a person that was formerly incarcerated compared to someone who can go, they, they got options and they can get jobs anywhere. And the reason why is when you have people like us, we have very little opportunity. So when we get it, we got to take advantage of it. And I can't stand to see a guy come in and don't take advantage of it, especially with me, a person who understands, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, but I do, I do, uh, it's my honor. I, I get a, Do I get upset with them a lot? I do. I get frustrated a lot because it's sad when you see the potential in somebody, but they just don't see it in themselves, right? You're trying to do everything you can to help them, and they're not reaching to get it. So that's the emotional tie to it, and I go through the spiel like almost every week. I'm not hiring anyone else who's incarcerated. Please don't interview anybody. <laughs> I go through this whole spiel in my office every week. And then as soon as I sit down later on that evening, God always reminds me that it's your purpose. I, I'm, I'm making you successful to help people that other people are afraid of, other people that won't touch. So I just kind of brush myself off, get over my little anger, and keep on going. That's so inspiring, so, yeah. yeah. It's easy to be yeah. tenderhearted when, you know, when you see yourself in someone else or you have yeah. compassion for yeah. someone's situation. Um, you're saying yeah. you do po- post-construction cleanup. I'm curious, in your last interview, you talked about a separate business that you have with uh, some dump trucks. Your post-construction yeah, cleanup, yeah. did you find a way to marry those two businesses together? No. You're not using your dump truck for that? <laughs> well, no, no. We, we use the um, dump trucks for demo, for demolition sometimes. But I, 
the dump truck business is with, I got a partner with the dump truck business. And he's a guy who, he was formerly incarcerated. He came home. Um, I gave him a job. He worked for me for like four or five years. He wanted to start his own cleaning service. I helped him do that. He do he do just as well as I do now. And um, we decided to come together and do these dump trucks. Um, but the post-construction is all my money, and I love it. <laughs> so, so, no, no, I haven't tied it in with the with ZBS Trucking because it's two different entities. And, um, you know, but I always find ways to get him involved with, with some kind of money I got going on with Whereas if it's giving them a contract or something like that, but I keep the trucks in the in the cleaning center because the cleaning is my personal business, my own business, compared to the trucking as a partnership. Do you want to share with us uh, any growth or any interesting things that have happened in your business over the last year since you were last on the show? Yes, yes, we've been working our tails off. We've been growing and growing and growing, and I'm not complaining. Yes. Um, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. Um, here in the Raleigh Durham area, it's a lot of growth. Uh, I think we're in the, we 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 always in the top five. I think we're in the top two um, fastest growing areas in America. So there's a lot of construction going on. So from both ends, it's good. Like we got, it's a lot of road construction going on with the truck stay busy, and there's a lot of new businesses coming up where we stay busy. And um, I picked up a lot of new schools because schools has always been my specialty. So um, I have a. At this point, I done in, in Durham, I done did it's maybe 19 or 20 charter schools in Durham. At this point, I either have either cleaned all of them at one point in time or currently got them all. So, um, so that's to me, that's kind of an exciting honor for me because I didn't even realize until one day I was just in the office and was like, wow, you know. <laughs> um, but we're we staying busy, man, and, um, and I'm, I'm totally grateful for sure. Yeah, totally, totally grateful. That's we just impressive. we just put up a contract. I'm sorry. That's impressive. I said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you said hi. What now? I'm sorry. <laughs> As you said, it was impressive what you what you built. Oh, impressive! Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Great. So, great. just out of curiosity, um, mm -hmm. when you, you were in there, you got out, you had this idea to do, um, you know, janitorial service construction, janitorial stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Was and right now, especially, it sounds like you're giving a lot of people chances, and you're you're trying, you know, you're taking risks, and you're kind of looking out for people. Uh, was there anyone specifically that looked out for you and gave you a big chance when you got out? It was. Um, it wasn't a big chance, but it was a motivating chance, and it, and, it, and it helped me a lot. I remember it was this older gentleman. What was his name? His name was uh, Mr. I forgot his name. But it was like within my first year of business. And it was a, and at that time, I was trying to connect myself with different organizations because I just wanted to be around older gentlemen who had been in business for years and I could just kind of like learn from them, right? So they had an organization where it was a bunch of old guys, all of them was millionaires, where I went to one of the meetings. Went to the meeting, they allowed me to join in their little club. I would go to the meetings. They would talk about different projects and things like that that was coming around in the area. So one of the guys, the guy who was over it, realized I had a cleaning service. And he said, well, I want to bless you. I want you to come by and uh, clean my office. Do the carpets in my office. <laughs> and I remember I said, okay, I came by. Now, I knew nothing about carpet cleaning. So I went out. I had like, it took me about $100 with the rent new carpet machine. I put carpet fresh all over the floor. He said it was smelling. I put carpet fresh all over the floor. Went through, cleaned the floor, the floor looked good. I get a call the next day from the secretary. Lawrence, get down here. I get down there. 
the whole floor white, right? So I'm, like, <laughs> so I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I realized at that time, the carpet freshly went down, and when it got wet, it lifted back on the white. So I, I told her, no problem. I went out and rented the machine again, redid the carpet, um, re- redid the carpet the right way. Not to the loss. My first job was a loss, right? <laughs> so he didn't give up on me. He said, okay, look, you messed that up. Come on out. Like, start cleaning my house twice a week, right? So I started going out there. Mr. Richardson, that's his name, Mr. Richardson. And I started going out to his house. I started cleaning his house. I was doing that twice a week. Maybe a month in, he said, man, look, my wife really don't want you around. I don't want to clean it no more. Uh, he said, man, really, honestly, can't nobody please that woman, right? <laughs> and, and I was like, appreciate the opportunity. But the reason why I say that was, that was a, to me, that was, a, it was, a, it was a, I was grateful for that experience was, first, I, I was allowed to make a mistake and correct it, right? Secondly, it showed me that when you do make mistakes, even if you got to take a loss, the most important thing is make sure the, the, the client is happy. And then thirdly, he gave me a second chance. Even though I just, I just didn't know what I was doing at that time. You know, I was new. I was fresh. And, you know, and I always appreciate that, that you know, that opportunity because even in, even in firing me, he was being delicate with it. He, I, I could tell he wasn't trying to kill my spirit, you know, he just he just realized, look, I'm giving you opportunity, son. You need to work on your stuff, <laughs> you know. And uh, and and I just always all to me I always look at Mr. Richardson as as, as as really like a mentor, someone who really like I feel like it pushed me, it gave me a, that situation. And then I had a situation where when I was cleaning apartments, I had hired my little brother and a bunch of little. Uh, he had a whole bunch of friends all in with game banging at that time, and. We, I had I had scheduled like I think I had scheduled fourteen, fifteen apartments to clean that day, right? And we was going to clean them. We was going to get up at six a.m. We was going to be done by six p.m. Six a.m. I'm out there by myself. I called him on the phone over at nine o'clock. At that point, I realized I was going to have to do this by myself, right? Now I'm building my relate. I'm building my relationship with my clients off of if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So. I rolled up my sleeves. I cleaned all 14 apartments. When I got home the next day, it was 5 a.m. I worked 23 hours straight. And I remember I went to sleep for maybe two days. <laughs> but when I woke up, it had built so much resilience in me. I, I felt, I, I just felt like if I have to do this myself, it's going to be successful. I'm going to make it happen. You know, and that was, to me, that was a changing point in, in business for me. I mean, then you know, it's always trial by fire like that. How bad do you want it? And I feel like there's always yeah. those, those, there was always going to be those kind of moments. Um, yeah. One, one yeah. thing that that kind of made me think of a little bit is when you got out um, with your friends and your family. When you were talking about, you know what, I'm going to stop doing illegal stuff. I'm going to go on the straight and narrow. I'm going to go on this, you know, you know, square job and and build this legitimate business up. Were they supportive of that, or were, were, did you have people you're surrounding yourself with that were kind of negative? Uh, influences they laughed you. at me. They laughed at you. They laughed. They laughed at me. The only the only person that believed in me at that time was my my ex wife. Everybody else laughed at me. I heard that I heard that they had a bet going on in the barber shop that I was going to be back selling drugs within six months. Yeah, you know, and it and it was one of those things where when I was hearing that, it just pushed me even harder. Like, okay, I'm gonna show you. And, and the crazy thing about it is the same people now. Uh, people are asking, "Hey, what's the blueprint?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, can you help me start this? And I'm like, I don't have time right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, 
So yeah, so yeah, they yeah, it was it was it was really like I was I was like the laughing stock. And and that's why I asked that is because I know that's one of the major hurdles to get over, you know, especially when you've been doing the same thing for, you know, a decade or a long time. It's hard to break that cycle. And uh, especially when the people you surround yourself with are not supportive of that at all. You know, they don't believe in you. So it's important that, um, you know, you're out there. People are out there inspiring people that just let them know it's it's another way. And um, so I I just really have one one last real question for you today. Okay. Um, okay. Just Lawrence, where do you see yourself and uh, your business and super clean, like in the next five years, ten years? Do you have any long-term goals? Do you have any big plans for yes. the future? Yes, yes. I want to make as much money as I can because <laughs> in the next ten, fifteen years, right. <laughs> I want to stop dealing with the cleaning. So, uh, so I just, I just want to continue to just build a company, make as much money as I can, build a great product, um, continue to serve well. You know, continue to be able to bless others, and just and just move for and most definitely be able to, to, to provide a real future for my kids, because I believe in generational like wealth, and I think it can start with me, and then, so so I think it's up to me to make sure that I teach my kids business, you know, to understand the dollar, you know, make sure that they keep the credit right, you know, the necessary things you need to do to be successful, yeah. So they have a real firm foundation to build off of for their futures, and then their children's futures, and then their children's futures. So, um, yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's extremely respectable, man. And uh, on, on top of that, it sounds like you're getting a lot of good spiritual currency by going back and mentoring people and trying to bring them into the fold of your business. I think that's going to go a long way, personally. I feel it. Most definitely. And I, I'm going to do it till I die. I mean, I, it's, it's always... It's always good to be able to see. It's, it's, when I go into the prisons, like, and I was joking with um, Brian the other day, um, the guy who started MS Entrepreneurship, and I always dress down. When I go to the when I go to the jail in the prisons, I'm in jogging suit, I'm in jeans, I'm dressed down. I'm not coming in that suit because I want you to be able to see that you know, I dress just like you. I, it was count time in the bunk, just like you. <laughs> you know, the guards told me, "Boy, get on your bunk." And I want to smack him in his face just like you probably wanted to, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing is, if I'm here and I'm saying, yeah, I was there, but this is what it took for me to get right here, I'm hoping that I can relate to you and you can understand that I haven't done anything, like, magical. <laughs> you know, I just believed in myself, put in hard work, believed in God, and just and kept moving. You know, and, and I feel like anybody can, can do that if they use those necessarily tools. That's if you were built to be a business owner, because that's another thing I had to stop doing, because I would tell everybody, anybody in here could do it. When That's really not the truth. You know, I think being a business owner, it takes leadership, and everyone is not a leader. So, and if it was all bosses, it wouldn't be any workers. So everyone can't do this. But I'm talking for those who really have an entrepreneurship spirit, it can be done, you know, with the necessary tools. True story. So, and a good boss can yeah. take good care of workers and we can have a better world. Exactly. Hey, Lawrence, why don't exactly. you uh, let us know what your website is so everybody can okay. go visit you. Okay. It's www.supercleanprojan.com. And it's under, it's, I got a new one under construction, so we have a, a bigger, better one. About another week or so. 
All right. Anything else you want to shout out before we uh, wrap up here? I just want to say I love my daughters. I thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, You guys are awesome. You guys rock. Continue doing what you do. It's most definitely needed out here. Here in Durham, we're pushing for prison reform. Um, You know, I know it's probably the same thing going on out there in California. And people don't give up on yourselves. Believe in in yourself first. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Lawrence. No problem. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. I want to remind you guys, you guys. Yeah. And look forward to having you back as a guest sometime and check in with you and see how it's going. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. And uh, just a quick reminder, please tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. here at Startup Radio Network, Felony Inc. Podcast. Meg, great job today. Thank you. Can't wait to see you next week. Likewise. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.